So this is obviously um, different <laughs> for Very. me, but I think it's really, really important. And I'm really glad that you reached out and you want to do this. Um, it was, I think it was a year ago that we talked the first time. Yes, it was. Yeah. 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 Um, and you shared your miscarriage story mm-hmm, after having I did. your son. Yes. And so let's talk about everything that's happened since. Welcome to the Managing Miscarriage Podcast. I am Melissa Whitman, founder of the nonprofit One Generation and our current initiative, Managing Miscarriage. I need your help. Let's take this community to the next level. Here's what you can do. Number one, if you like this podcast, please hit pause and take a few seconds to rate it on iTunes. Number two, donate through our website, managingmiscarriage.com. Number three, share your story. Go to calendly.com slash Melissa Whitman to schedule a time to chat with me. Or number four, join our Patreon page for over 30 more episodes you can't find anywhere else as well as exclusive content patreon.com slash miscarriage that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash miscarriage all the details are linked in the show notes enjoy the episode and thanks for tuning in okay so background for those that didn't hear my miscarriage story last year in may of 2018 i had a missed miscarriage at 10 and a half weeks Um, and had two DNCs for that. And then after that, I was feeling really broken and my mind was just set on getting pregnant. I just thought that if I got pregnant, then I would be healed from, you know, that pain. Um, so it took us about six months and on December 15th, 2018, I found out I was pregnant. And the crazy thing is that for the baby that we miscarried, that due date would have been December 14th. So that pregnancy ended and the next day a new one began. So um, I was super excited. Yeah, I was so excited. And I surprised my husband. Uh, I went and bought, um, it was Christmas time, so I got rainbow colored uh, candy canes and And he was like really confused. And I was like, it's a rainbow because it's a rainbow baby. Um, And he was, we were really excited. And we decided to um, keep our pregnancy a secret um, just because we wanted it to be for us for the first 12 weeks. Um, Although I do think that sharing before 12 weeks is really great if you do have a miscarriage because then people know what you're going through but we just wanted to keep it to ourselves and just kind of you know have that fun together so um, I can't remember what our 12 week date was but we had our first ultrasound at like six weeks like on January the first week of January and we saw this tiny tiny little baby and it had this little tiny heartbeat and we were so excited Um, And then at 10 and a half weeks, we had our second ultrasound and that's when we saw the beautiful bean and um, had another strong heartbeat. And that's when we started telling family and friends. 
Um, and then on Valentine's day as when we shared our social media rainbow baby posts and we were so, so excited. Um, and then I think end of February, we had our gender reveal and we found out we were having a boy, um, which was exciting. Um, I was really hoping for a girl to be honest, but, um, I was so excited for my older son, who's five, to have a little brother, and he was really excited about that. So then um, at around 16 weeks, I'm so glad we did this, but we went to one of those extra ultrasound places. We did an ultrasound, and then we recorded his heartbeat and put it inside of this stuffed elephant. So yeah, I really wanted his heartbeat since we never got a heartbeat with our miscarried baby, and I just wanted that. Um, and so I'm so thankful today that we have that. Um, and yeah, we were just, we were just on cloud nine. I completely went into nesting mode. I bought everything you could buy for a baby. Uh, we painted his walls, these blue colors that I was so excited about. And we just bought everything. And my pregnancy was perfect. Um, you know, each visit was great. Um, each ultrasound was awesome. Witten, which is his name, Witten, was extremely active. He was way more active than my first son. He loved to have dance parties. He loved when I ate. He was just always moving. And I just knew that he was just going to be this rambunctious, adventurous little boy. And I just was so excited for that. And I am thankful for our miscarriage because I didn't take one second of this pregnancy for granted. Every time he kicked, I would stop what I was doing and I would just hang out with him and love every minute of it. So that is something good that came from the miscarriage. I never took it for granted. Um, And then he was due on August 25th. So um, we got really close and um, everything was going great. And then on August 15th, uh, well, a little before this, we scheduled his C-section for August 21st because it was going to be a repeat C-section. And I make big babies. So that was scheduled for August 21st. On August 15th, I, um, we, my husband and I went to my last doctor's appointment at 4 p.m., and we heard Witten's heartbeat, and it was 145. It was perfect, and um, everything checked out and was great. And I kind of made a joke to my doctor. I was like, why don't we just go ahead and go do this C-section now? And he just laughed and was like, nah, you know. And then um, he gave us some papers and said that we didn't need to see him again. We would see him on Wednesday for our C-section. He gave us the release papers to take to the hospital for that. And all he told me was to go a little bit before the C-section a few days to go get my labs done for it. And that was it. And we were going to just see him on Wednesday morning when we were going to have a baby. So we left that appointment and I remember getting in my car and um, saying to my husband, wow, you know, we graduated, we made it, we're done, you know, but also in my head, I thought I just had an eerie feeling when I said that in my head, I was like, oops, I probably shouldn't have said that. I'm a very suspicious person. I mean, not suspicious, <laughs> super superstitious <laughs> person. And so I was like, in my head, I remember thinking, shouldn't have said that. 
So we go home that night. My mother-in-law took our uh, five-year-old son, was just going to watch him so we could have a night to relax. Um, We ordered pizza, ate pizza, and um, Witten was kicking the entire time. He was so active. Um, I would put my plate on my belly and he would just try to kick it off. And then I had some chocolate chip cookies. I remember that. That was like a big thing in my pregnancy was chocolate chip cookies and pizza. And then between 8 and 9 p.m., I went to bed. And I remember him kicking between 7 and 8 is is the last time I remember him kicking for sure. And um, before I went to bed, I went to the restroom. And I just remember having this weird feeling in my belly. I can't explain it, but it's like it split. I don't know. It was this weird feeling. And I just thought in my head, like, that didn't feel right. But I'm an anxious person. So I was just like, Kendall, it's your anxiety. You're fine. Just going to go to sleep. Everything's okay. You just went to the doctor. Everything's okay. So I go to bed between 8 and 9 p.m. And then I woke up at my usual time at 3 p.m. to go to the restroom And my husband goes to work around 3 p.m. I have to wake him up. So Witten would always wake up with us and just kick around and play. And I woke up to go to the restroom and he wasn't moving. And so I thought in my head, this is weird. He's not moving. He's usually awake. But I was like, you know what? It's okay. He's probably sleeping. I'm sleeping. We're all sleeping. It's fine. So I went back to bed. And then on August 16th, I woke up around 5 a.m., I was cleaning my house because I was going to have family come over that day to fix some stuff before the baby came. And so um, I left for work around six and I noticed that Witten wasn't kicking. So I grabbed a juice to try to drink that and wake him up on my way to work. I got to work at seven, um, had already drank the juice and I was, you know, getting all my work done that I have to do on Fridays and was just trying to focus on that. And then around... 9 a.m., I noticed again that he wasn't moving. So I drank some cold water and just tried to really focus on trying to feel him. And then at 9.45, I started to worry because he still wasn't moving. And at this point, I started to shake my belly, talk to him, you know, just touch my belly, like really try to get him to wake up, all the normal things that he would usually wake up to. And then I went into my coworker's fridge and stole some Dr. Pepper because I was like, if he doesn't wake up from Dr. Pepper, then something's wrong. So I drank that at 9.45 and at 10 a.m. he was not moving. So I started to freak out and I texted my husband. I said, I'm really worried. Witten's not moving. And he texted me back. It's probably fine, but call your doctor. And so I called my doctor and they were like, okay, come in and we'll, you know, check you out. So I get in the car and I call my husband on the way there and I'm not able to talk to him because I just knew something was wrong. And he was like, do you want me there? And I didn't even answer him because I just knew I was going to cry. So he just was like, okay, I'll meet you. And the crazy thing is that my husband works two jobs. So he was off from his first job. Um, at this day, but he was supposed to go to his second job, but they moved it for later that afternoon. So he was luckily just at home, which he wasn't supposed to be. Um, so he was able to just meet me at the doctor and we get to the doctor and 
I'm upset. I can't even talk. I'm just so worried. On the way, well, on the way there, I was trying to pray, but I just couldn't. I was crying. I was trying to sing to Witten, but I just, I just could not get out a word. I was just freaking out. I was crying. I knew something was wrong. So we get to the doctor. My husband meets me and we walk inside and the receptionist was like, oh my gosh, what's wrong? We just saw you yesterday. And I was like, I know I need to hear his heartbeat. So the nurse took me immediately back and, um, she started searching for his heartbeat. And at first my husband was just on his phone, sitting on the chair, like this girl's crazy. We're going to hear a heartbeat. Um, and everything's fine. But he went to like 99% of all of my appointments. So he knew what to expect. And when we didn't find his heartbeat within the first minute, that's when he started to worry and he came over and he walked and he held my hand. And I just remember laying there and just staring at the ceiling tiles, just like completely blank. And I don't know how long she actually searched for his heartbeat, but had to have been maybe 15 minutes to 30 minutes. She was pressing hard on my belly, just searching it, searching. She would pick up my heartbeat, but not the baby's. And Witten was so active that if you were to put a Dobbler on him or an ultrasound on him, he would kick you off. He was like, no, ma'am, we're not doing this. And he was not moving at all. And so, um, you know, I started tears just running down my face and I was just staring at the ceiling tile, just like praying for a heartbeat and there was nothing. So my doctor came in and he was like, okay, let's do an ultrasound. So we walk into the ultrasound room and I started to freak. I started to freak out. I was screaming. I was crying. I was like, I don't want to do this because I know the moment we look at that ultrasound, he's going to be gone and I don't want him to be gone. I'm not ready for him to be gone. I don't want to do this. And I know a lot of other lost moms can agree with me that ultrasound machines are not our friend anymore. (laughs) They bring more anxiety than you know, peace. And, um, so I just was not, I was not ready. So my husband had to calm me down, um, and just tell me that whatever was going to happen, we were going to get through it together. And so he calmed me down and my doctor came in, um, and he had me take, you know, bottoms off just in case he needed to check in there as well. So, um, he, uh, he, put the ultrasound wand on and as soon as he put it on there, he, there was, his heart was still and I can't get that image out of my mind of just his still heart. It, it just, I just can't, it's too much, but his heart was still. And my doctor was just like, he has no heartbeat. And I don't remember anything else he said after this. I just remember, I don't even remember screaming, but I know I probably did. And then my doctor said the word stillborn and I just freaked out. I was like, do not say that. Do not say that. That's a word that I've always feared. And I just remember just screaming Um, and my husband was sobbing and I've never seen him cry in our 12 years together. And he was sobbing. Um, and then 
right after that, something just came over me and I went into complete shock and numbness. And my doctor gave us a few minutes to, he like took the ultrasound out of the room because he needed to do other ultrasounds, but gave us the room to decide if we wanted to go home for a few days or for the night um, and then do the C-section or if we wanted to go straight to the hospital and do the C-section. So he left. Granted, I am still naked. Um, and my husband is, you know, calling his mom. And then I called my dad and told him and he called my mom. And then we called, you know, brothers and sisters. And um, then the nurses came in and they're hugging me while I'm just standing there <laughs> completely naked. And um they were so sweet. They're crying and hugging me and just loving on us. And then my mom rushed to be with us at the doctor. She said she found out. My dad called her when she was in the middle of the store and she just let out this huge scream and cry. And she raced to the doctor to be with us. And and um, everyone around me is just sobbing and freaking out. And I'm completely numb. I'm not letting a tear out. I'm just in complete shock. I'm worried about kind of survival mode of needing to go get this C-section done and get through this. So we decided that we wanted to do the C-section that day. So he gave us the papers for that. He scheduled that and we went home. Luckily, my doctor's office is two minutes from my house. So we all just drove back home and we started running around the house going in between packing the hospital bag going and sobbing. And like the first thing we did was go to his nursery and just sob and look at all of the beautiful things we picked out for him that he wasn't going to be able to use. And that was really oh, devastating. Um, and then that's when my husband kind of was like, Oh my gosh, we have to plan a funeral. Like, what do we do? Do we bury him? Do we cremate him? Like, never had to do this before. And he starts freaking out about that. And, um, and yeah, so packed my hospital bag. Um, I remember walking into my closet and I had bought these beautiful nightgowns and robes to wear in the hospital. And I was like, I'm not bringing those. This is not a happy time. I was supposed to wear those and take pictures of my beautiful baby boy. I'm not bringing them. So I didn't bring any clothes. I just was like, I'm just going to wear a hospital gown. Um, but I brought the other like toiletries and things like that that you need. And then uh, my mother-in-law and father-in-law came to the house. My dad came to the house. My mom was there. And then my sister-in-law, she went to pick up my five-year-old son um, so that we could tell him at the house before we went to the hospital. And we were sitting in the nursery when he got home and that was like, you can do anything you want to me and hurt me, but having to relay that information to my child was just, just so heartbreaking. That was actually my first worry when we found out that Witten's heart had stopped was what we were going to tell our son because he had already gone through a miscarriage for us with us. And now I was going to have to tell him this baby that he saw me grow because we were, forgot to mention this, we were at 38 weeks and four days. That's a long time for him to think that he's coming home with a brother and 
So we didn't really know what to tell him. We've never had to talk about death with him. So we just told him that his brother was gone and went to heaven. Um, and he he was more into playing at that point, which we'll find out later is normal. So he wanted to go to the store and buy Legos. So my sister-in-law, after we told him, took him, took him to the store while we went to the hospital and she was going to bring him later on after we got settled. So we all got in our cars and we drove to the hospital. Um, we got there and walking into the maternity ward was awful. <laughs> I just remember sobbing and seeing, you know, all these happy dads coming out of the rooms with like, you know, ice chips and things. And I was just so angry at them. I was just like, you get to have this beautiful moment and we're here carrying our dead baby and about to meet my dead baby. Like I was just so angry at them, which, you know, it's not their fault, but, um, we checked in and then our wonderful nurse, Lisa came and she got us and she took us back to our room and she was, amazing. She was so kind and compassionate. She um, had so informational. She just let us know everything that was going to happen. Every feeling we had was okay. She was just there for us. They had the room set up already for a stillbirth. So they had, you know, a, a bear and all the mementos that other bereaved parents donate and other organizations donate. They, We luckily had a cuddle cot, which is like this cold little bed that you can place your baby in to preserve their body. So you can keep them as long as you want to and all of that stuff. And so we started to get ready for the C-section. I think it was about three hours. Well, I had to wait three hours because I ate breakfast in the morning. So we had to wait another extra three hours of sitting there before we could do the C-section. And I, like I said, I was numb and in shock. So I wasn't crying, but um, everyone around us was. My um, grandmother was there. My uncle, who was a pastor, was there. My whole family, my brother, drove back down from college to be there with us. My sister-in-law and her kids, and then my other sister-in-law drove down from three hours away to be with us. And we were surrounded by all of our loving family, um, which I'm very grateful for. They were all there. And um, I didn't want to do the C-section. I I didn't want to experience it. So I was like, can I please get general anesthesia? Can you please put me out? And, you know, my nurse advised me that that wasn't the best decision. So I decided to go through it anyways. So it was finally time, I think around 4.30 for our C-section. And so we, they got me ready and they wheeled me back there. Um, And my nurse was amazing. She held my hand while they, did the spinal and our anesthesiologist, he was so sweet. He explained everything, everything, every single step, um, you know, during the C-section, he'd be like, okay, they're cutting this now and they're doing this and we're close to this. And he was just so gentle and amazing, which is so important just in a regular delivery, but especially when you've lost, whether it's a miscarriage or stillbirth, amazing nursing staff is just monumental. So he was great. And then, um, our son was born and, um, 
he, they don't have a time. They didn't tell me a time. So I don't know what time it was between four 30 and six 30, but he was beautiful. I actually got this, um, special swaddle created just for him with blue rainbows on it and his name because he was our rainbow baby. And so I, I, that was the only thing I brought for him was that swaddle and hat for him to wear. And so the nurse took him, wrapped him up in that swaddle and gave him to my husband. And we got to just sit there and cuddle him while they sewed me up and everything. And uh, he was the most gorgeous baby boy I've ever seen in my life. He was my husband's twin big nose, chunky cheeks. He looked very grumpy, but peaceful at the same time. Um, But he was so sweet. The nurse had a camera and she just took a ton of pictures for us. And we just sat there in all of his beauty. Um, And during the C-section, my doctor, one, nicked my bladder. So I had to wear a catheter for a whole week after that. That was wonderful. Okay. Um, yeah, I was like, great, you know, add to this experience, carry around a pee bag for seven days. Um, Gosh. and then he searched for any, uh, sign of why our, uh, boy's heart stopped, but the placenta looked great. His cord was perfect. There was no sign of blockage. There was no knots. Um, the only thing was that it was wrapped around one of his, it was, I don't know if it was both shoulders or one of his shoulders and his back. So very tightly. So he could have maybe just got stressed out and, um, you know, accelerated his heart or something like that. But there was no definitive answers from that. Um, and then they wheeled me back to the room and got to hold my baby boy and um, love on him. He was eight pounds and 13 ounces and he was 20 and a half inches long. And I think his head, oh, I can't remember how big his head was, but it was maybe 12 to 14 inches or something or whatever. I don't know. But um, the first person we let back there was my husband went and got Waylon so he could see his baby brother. And um, we took a lot of pictures. My son was a little scared Um, because Witten, you know, he had been dead for 24 hours probably at this point. And so his lips, stillborn babies, their lips get rosy red. And that just freaked Waylon out. So he didn't want to hold him or anything. And we didn't push it on him. We understood. And um, the nursing staff in the hospital, they have, at at our hospital, they have an entire bereavement um, committee, which is amazing because they don't have that everywhere. And so, um, they had all kinds of staff come to us, including this lady who helped us talk to Waylon and explain what to say and what not to say. And she explained that, um, not to tell him that Witten was sick or not to tell him that he was sleeping because that could then cause Waylon to be scared if he ever became sick or was sleeping. So she said, be completely honest and tell him exactly what's going on. So we told him that he died and all and, and whatever. And she told us that um, Waylon, which this is what he was doing, was going in and out of playing and asking questions, playing and asking questions. And um, she said that children are going to be very blunt, which he was, and just to expect that. So very thankful for her because we had no idea what to do. And she really helped us out. And so my uh, husband took Waylon back to where our family was in the um, visitor's room or whatever. 
And he said that Waylon just bluntly just said, um, I saw Witten and he's dead just in front of everybody. And people were just like, oh. So, yeah, he said a lot of that fun stuff. Um, and then we let our family come in and everyone got to love on him, on Witten and hold him and take pictures. And, um, it was, it was beautiful. Um, and I'm thankful that we allowed everyone to come because, you know, years ago when my husband talked about, if we ever had this situation, we were like, no one would see the baby or hold it, but, we just knew that that's what we needed was for our family to love on him, for him to know how loved he is and was and allow our family that time to grieve as well. And so I'm so thankful that everyone got to do that. And so we spent some hours holding him and loving him. And then um, family eventually, you know, went home and left. And we originally had planned for my son Wayland to go sleep over at my parents' house, but he did not want to leave our sides. He was very distraught about that and was like, that's not what he wanted to do. So we allowed him to stay with us. And um, I don't know how many hours passed, but we eventually that same evening decided to give Witten back because we had a cuddle cot and everything. And honestly, looking back, I would have, I would obviously would do anything to hold him longer. But in that moment, it was just way too hard to see him and just will him to cry, to open his eyes. It just was a lot. And so we were like, okay, we need to give him back so we can start this mourning process, just get this over with in a way. Um, And so our second nurse we had after Lisa Karen, she, wow, she was amazing. She also had lost a son. Um, He was born healthy and then within the hour was passed. So she knew exactly what to say and be there for us. And um, she took him and they um, moved us upstairs away from the maternity so that we wouldn't have to hear the other babies cry during the night. Um, And so we moved rooms and my husband and son slept on the couch and we just started our grieving process from there. And um, Karen, our nurse, she um, did foot molds and hand molds and took more pictures of Witten and all kinds of mementos for us to take home, um, cut some of his hair because he had this beautiful dark curly hair so that we could save it. And yeah, I was in the hospital for maybe two more days. We had friends and family visit us and, um, and we went home and, um, I had my milk come in which was uh, just another thing that really stinks and um, just smelling of breast milk and not having your baby. is just like, ah. Um, and then a week after, exactly a week after, um, can't remember that date now. Maybe it's August 23rd. We 
my husband and I and our moms, we went to the funeral home. We had picked him out to be buried in the same cemetery where my grandfather was buried. And Witten was actually named after my grandfather. So we wanted them to be together. And um, we went back to the funeral home. And we got to see him again. And um, his face was already deteriorating a little bit. Had some like, I would explain them as scabs. I don't really know what they were. But he was still so beautiful. And uh, my mother-in-law dressed him because my husband and I just couldn't handle that. So she dressed him in his onesie that uh, said little brother on it. Him and Waylon have matching shirts and his said little brother Witten on it. And so we dressed him in that. And then we swaddled him up in this beautiful like blue football swaddle that I got. And I was so excited for him to wear and I had a matching hat. And so we swaddled him up in that. And then we got to hold him. And so my husband held him. And then I wasn't expecting this, but when he placed him in my arms, he was so cold. And I wasn't expecting that because I've never really been around a dead body before. And I just remember sobbing at how cold he was. And um, we got to hold him love on him and then um my husband placed him into his beautiful white little baby casket and that was so frustrating because just seeing my husband delicately place him in a casket when I was looking forward to him placing him in um a little bed. I don't know a crib. I don't know why I'm forgetting the word. What is the word? Bas- thank you. Yeah. I don't know. Why I'm forgetting that word. It's okay. <laughs> so, yeah, we placed him in there and um, cried and just sat there with him some more. And we um, also placed this little teddy bear that this little tiny teddy bear that the hospital gave us, and Waylon named it the Big Brother teddy bear or something like that and so we put that in there with him and then um Witten is named after Jason Witten from the Dallas Cowboys and so um my brother-in-law bought him a little Witten jersey and we folded it and placed it in there as well um and then the next day on Saturday August 24th I believe that's the date <laughs> um we had at his funeral And it was a beautiful funeral. We invited tons of our family and friends to come. And my uncle, who's the pastor, he held it. And um, we played some songs. Um, One of them was Hilary Scott. It was, I can't remember, Thy Will Be Done by Hilary Scott. And then we played It Is Well uh, with My Soul. And my husband and I both spoke. Um, and just talked about our sweet boy and, um, and then everyone left and all of once they, before they placed his casket into the little vault thingy, my bobber thingy, um, each of our nieces and nephews had picked out a flower 
and they got to place a flower on his casket. And then they put it in the vault. And then um, they placed him into the ground. Um, which was really hard for a parent to watch their child be placed into the ground. And all I could think was I just wanted to jump in there with him. I would have done anything to trade places. And um, still to this day, I just dream of digging it up and just laying with him. I just, it's just was really hard. And so we didn't stay for them to put dirt on it or anything like that. Cause that just would have been even more traumatizing. So we left and we went back to my in-laws house and just, you know, had the reception part. And, um, and then a few weeks later we created his tombstone memorial marker and we're so proud of it. We spent so much time creating just this beautiful thing to honor our son. Um, and then it has a little picture on it and all these things. And so, yeah, that is really his story. Wow. Mm. What is your day-to-day like now? <sighs> well, um, the first two months, no, six weeks, I was able to just stay at home. And my husband took that time off too and pretty much just laid in bed all day, every day and cried. Um, And then after six weeks, I went back to work and I'm just, I mean, it sucks, but life is just back to normal. Um, While we were in the hospital, our family came and they took everything from the nursery and they took it to my sister-in-law's house so that we wouldn't have to pack anything up or do any of that. So that was amazing help. Um, we had tons of people bring us food and dinner and just had this huge community rally around us, and we're so incredibly thankful for them. And um, we never we decided not to do an autopsy because I was not going to have anyone cut up my son. And um, my doctor said that, like 85% of the time you don't get an answer anyways. And I just, I just didn't want to do that. So we don't have any answers at all and we never will as to what happened. Um, and I'm just back to work. I go to therapy, which has been helpful. And then there's um, this organization called MEND, which is Mothers Enduring Neonatal Death. And I go to support groups for that. And they're all across the nation. And they help women with um, from miscarriage to stillbirth to early child death. So, you know, if anyone out there wants to go to those, just look up MEND. They are amazing and have been so helpful during this time. And, yeah, that's, that's really it. And um, it's kind of frustrating because I asked my doctor, I was like, well, what are we going to do next pregnancy if we decide to get pregnant again? And he was like, well, next time around, we'll do uh, more in-depth ultrasounds with a high-risk doctor. And we'll, for the last six weeks, we'll do non-stress tests. 
And I was just thinking in my head, like, why didn't we do that the first time? Yeah, I would have thought, man, why couldn't we have done that this time? Yeah, like, why did my baby have to die for you then to decide that? I don't know why it's not normal maternal health care for every baby. Like, um, majority of stillbirths are preventable, completely preventable. And I will always believe that my son's death was preventable, preventable. Like my doctor never told me about counting kicks. He never told me that this could happen. Um, and so I just want to make sure and share awareness to other women, you know, count kicks, speak up for yourself, listen to your intuition and bother them. Like just speak up. Um, that doesn't, if your doctor tells you no, then go straight to the hospital and tell it, like, do everything you can until someone listens to you. Um, because yeah. Um, and I also want to shine a light on the fathers that go through loss. I know when we went through our miscarriage, my husband didn't really grieve as much, which is normal. Um, because you know, they don't go through it physically, but with losing our son, um, he has, he's struggling a lot as much as me and everyone always asks me how I'm doing, how's the mom doing, but we have to remember that the fathers go through just as much. Um, and so to make sure that you're supporting each other, but yeah. And how's your body? Well, really good. Um, the healing process has been from the C-section was so much easier because I didn't have a baby to wake up every few hours with. So I just slept all the time and just let, you know, my body completely heal. So yeah, it's feeling really good. Um, and then my milk, I'm like two and a half months postpartum now. My milk is will only leak a few times now, but it's mostly gone. Um, yeah, physically we're doing good. <laughs> okay. So can you touch on the loss of a miscarriage and the loss of a stillbirth? Yes. Um, now that I have experienced both a miscarriage and a stillbirth, I believe that a loss is a loss, no matter how long you carried them. Um, because the moment you get a positive pregnancy test, they, that child or children, they're a part of your life. You're planning everything, their name, what their color room's going to look like, what they're going to do at college graduation, who are they going to be, how do they, how do they fit into your family? You're already planning all of that. And so whether it's an early loss or a loss at the very end, um, it matters. And so you are going to grieve no matter, but you'll grieve. And um, your grieving and your feelings are valid. Your anger is valid. Your pain, your sorrow is all valid. And there are going to be people who say very insensitive things to you, Um I've experienced people say insensitive things after my miscarriage and after my stillbirth. And you just can't let those people um, derail you or diminish or minimize your loss. Um, you lost a child. 
I think of my son every single day and I will, if anyone ever asks me how many children I have, I'll say I have two and I'm a mom of two and our family is a family of four and we constantly think of ways to add our son into our life. Uh, when we take pictures or we go to the pumpkin patch, we pick out a pumpkin for baby brother. Um, you know, for Christmas, his stocking that I had already made for him will be hanging along with us. We will always um, have him a part of our life. And our son thinks about his little brother all of the time. He loves to light a candle for him and pray and talk to him. He loves to read books that we got for him about his baby brother being in heaven and just yeah, they're going to be a part of your life and um, you're allowed to grieve no matter how you know short of a time you have with your baby and don't let anyone minimize that. Um, and whatever you feel is valid, anger, frustration, sorrow, all of that is valid. And if you have to take steps back and not attend that baby shower or gender reveal or be around that pregnant friend, that is perfectly okay to take care of yourself um, and not do those things. I know I won't be doing those things for a while. So just take care of yourself and, um, yeah, that's all I got. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I can cut this out if you're not comfortable answering, but because I've only experienced miscarriages, um, you say, you know, you're a family of four and you put up the stocking. So, we grieve a miscarriage, obviously, but but talk to me about that difference of um, like having a stocking and saying you're a family of four, but also having a loss. Does that make sense? Or is that yes. just a really shitty question to ask? No, no. Um, I would never want to minimize a miscarriage. However, for me personally, I experienced them differently. Um yeah. As I, grieve, I think I would. Yeah, yeah, I grieve them differently. 100%. So with our miscarriage, it was a blighted ovum, however that is. So we never had even a baby that never even had a heartbeat. Um, and if, I did grieve that miscarriage. I became very angry and isolated. I was angry at the world for moving on while I was, you know, without baby. And I felt really empty. Um, and so I did grieve. Um but with losing my son, you know, he was a fully, he could have survived outside of the womb. He was a fully formed child. And um, I just, he, I don't, I don't, he, he was there. Like he really was there. And, um, you know, we had to bury his body and, and, um, and I don't know, I don't know how to explain it. Like it, for me personally, it's different. I'm not saying it is for everyone else. Um, I know I have a friend who we were pregnant at the same time. Uh, she was supposed to have her baby a few weeks after I had Witten and she lost her baby at 12 weeks and she had a baby and a heartbeat. And so she grieves him and I make sure to always say his name and acknowledge her loss and, and acknowledge that she is a mother and she has a son. So, um, you know, I think of her son, Colton, as much as I think of my son. I think it's just your, I don't know, your preference or your feelings on it. And we had family members not acknowledge our miscarriage. 
not acknowledge that that was a baby that we lost. But our entire family is grieving Witten, and they say his name and they include him like they're going to include him in Christmas gift exchange. We'll buy gifts for another child and donate gifts in Witten's name. Everyone is rallying around our child. So I think it is different, but it's it's all preference. Um, I would never minimize. Am I hearing that it's, um, and again, I'm completely acknowledged that I'm, thank goodness, ignorant to this. The difference between, like with my miscarriages, I felt like I was grieving um, like a timeline that I put out in my head of what I expected. Mm-hmm. And then with your stillborn, you're grieving a death, like just a full on death. Exactly. Not not just the timeline, but also that. Is that? Yes. So with my okay. miscarriage, I grieved being pregnant. Yeah. Um, and I would always think of the pregnancy milestones. I rarely think of the baby milestones. I will sometimes be like, oh, if we that miss if we wouldn't have miscarried, I would have this age of a baby. But I only really grieved the pregnancy. Um with yeah, with Witten, okay. I grieve a baby. Like I think he would be two months now, he would be this now, you know, it was a death of my child. Um and so yeah, that's how I have processed it differently. Um, Do you think if there were more, if there were more traditions around miscarriage, like you had, for better or worse, the tradition of a funeral mm-hmm. that kind of lays it out and brings the family together? Do you think having a, more of a tradition around miscarriage would have helped? Yes. Now having been through both. Yes, I think. Um, we need more awareness about it in general, um, more women saying their stories. So other women don't feel alone. And, um, I think we really need as a society to see that a miscarried baby is a baby. Um, no matter if it's a chemical pregnancy or ectopic, it is a baby. And I think the reason why it's, I view it differently or I've processed it differently is because the people around me didn't acknowledge that I had lost a baby at that time. Yeah, which is very common. It's extremely common, extremely. I mean, I didn't have a belly. They never got, you know, to really see an old, you know, they, so society sees it differently or my family and friends see it differently because they went to my baby shower. I had a belly. They got to feel him kick. So it was a living being then. But I, I think that it would definitely help women who go through miscarriage if we all just saw it as a loss and a death. And if there was some sort of uh, funeral or ritual that we could do for miscarriage, um, yeah, I think that's important. If if you just go and have your family members release a balloon or, or something, um, I think that'd be very important for miscarriage for sure. Yeah, especially for the parents. Yes. And just to Mm -hmm. feel, I know for me now, and as I've been, um, just saying my son's name is so important and having other people acknowledge that and saying his name and that he is mine is so incredibly important. And I think it's the same with miscarriage. If we have more people rally around the parents and acknowledge their loss, I think it 
it can do amazing things in helping with grief. Is our culture just uncomfortable with death? Yes. Our culture is is um, very uncomfortable about a baby's death because it is uh, it goes completely against the order of life. Um, yeah, it's not the natural progression. Yeah, babies yeah. don't die. Like I never, I knew of stillbirth, but I was so ignorant and naive to it because I don't know, babies don't die. People don't talk about it. People don't talk about miscarriages. I didn't know about miscarriages until I had a miscarriage. And, um, and yeah, our society doesn't want to talk about it. I had people who will not say my son's name or acknowledge him. Um, you know, people completely ignore the subject because it, it's uncomfortable. Um, but it's important to talk about because it happens every day and, um, it's, yeah, our, our culture just doesn't want to believe it. And, I've had some insensitive things said to me about how I should just move on from his death as if it didn't happen. But would you say that to someone if they lost their father or if they lost their husband or friend? No, you would never. You would allow them time to grieve and you would acknowledge their pain and you'd be there for them. But when a baby dies, it's like, oh, it's fine. Move on. And it's like, no, no. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's it's their own insecurity around the subject, which is shitty for you. <laughs> for yeah, yeah, for everyone. Yeah. 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 Oh my goodness, Kendall! Thank you for sharing Witten's story. Hey, you! Stay connected. Find us on Instagram at Managing Miscarriage on Facebook at Miscarriage Nonprofit, and don't forget to download the free e-guide on our website, managingmiscarriage.com. Please rate and review this podcast to help other women find us and consider sharing your story. Hang in there, mama.